Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your care during the night, even with the rain. Bless us in this moment in which we are going to open our Bibles and we are going to study your word. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the day of uh, yesterday, um, and that, that is for the record, I am, I am connected and wired right now. Um, I, I entered into, into a topic that was not in my notes, just was a, a diversion because I made, I made a comment and I will refresh the idea from my notes here because the Bible says, and uh, let's open the book of Ephesians and, um, and we are going to read um, on it. That is the main, um, the main rationale for, for, for the presentation of this topic. That is, um, be filled of the Holy Spirit. Be filled of the Holy Spirit. And um, when the Apostle Paul says that, um, that is, I guess, Ephesians chapter 5, isn't it? Um, and uh, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the first observation I've been, I've been sharing with you is that this is a kind of triadic text, trinity text, with full disclose of the divinity because it's the mention of the Spirit, it's the mention of the Lord Jesus, and it's the mention also connected in the text with, with the... Um, with the with our Father in heaven. Um, it, is, it is Ephesians um, chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And, and one of the observations that I am making in, in the series of presentation is that sometimes across the New Testament, there are um, manifestations of the divinity in that way. And uh, we are going to enter probably tomorrow. I, I don't know if, how we are going to be um, today, but um, between today and tomorrow, we are going to enter into these triadic manifestations in the New Testament. And you are going to see at least two, three in the book of Ephesians and several quotations of the Spirit. However, um, the main purpose of my presentation regarding this is to discuss about the, um, the nature of the Spirit in the book of Ephesians. Because sometimes there is a confusion when, when the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit, and in the comparison is, and be not drunk with wine, but filled of the Spirit. So some people may think, like to be filled might be connected with, kind of content like water or something like that, because in the comparison is that. So, um, and we are going to enter into that in the presentation, but I am uh, recuperating some things because we say that uh, what we were going to discuss is based upon this advice, and we are going to discuss the apostles' advice in, in, in the relations with uh, Ephesians, and the role of the Spirit in revival movements, because that is a key sentence here. By the way, if you take out this sentence, be filled of the Spirit from the pistol, the pistol, the whole epistle changed completely. There is no sense with that, because is the Spirit... Um, uh, so in the nurture and essence of the pistol, that, that, is, that is what it means. The other thing that is quite interesting in, in this and is appealing 
is that is the thing that makes the epistle um, spiritual. And, um, and, and we need to recoup that in the church also. Um, sometimes um, we are going to be discussing a little bit about that. And we are, of course, discussing about the uh, relationship with the epistle of the Colossians. Um, because both, by the way, were written probably from the same place. And there is a, an internal relationship between Colossians and Ephesians, and we are going to be working about that. And uh, the diversion comes when I, when I quote this topic. Um, and, uh, and we are not going to enter into that today, just mentioning, um, because charismatic movement has um, made an impact um, in our uh, Christian culture uh, to, to think that or Pentecostal or Charismatic are, um, what I would say, an exclusive message coming from them. And Charismatic may believe that the Holy Spirit is an exclusive topic of them. And it's not, because it belongs to the Bible. It belongs to the Scriptures. And, um, and, and it's a blessing um, in which we need to dig in, of course, and, um, and the other effect is that uh, they introduce the concept of a momentaneous uh, influence of the Holy Spirit instead of a whole life, entire life, guided by the Holy Spirit. And that is the emphasis here. Because what you are going to see in this book, in this epistle, is that the entire epistle is um, under the influence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we did the mention, and this was what triggers the diversion. Because I put um, charismatic movements, many Christians believe that they need to speak other languages to demonstrate that they receive the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I put this quotation coming from www.assemblesofgod.org, uh, in which um, they say the baptism of believers in the Holy Spirit is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterances. Let me tell you uh, something regarding this topic. Um, I, I normally do not... Um, the, the, other, the other day... Um, uh, Lira, my wife, was, was following one of the presentations from the comedian, and for some reason, the streaming connect her, not with here, but with a Pentecostal church. And I don't know what is going on. I, I need to, to talk with the guys of IT, because if something is going on like that, I will say, wow, we need to take care about that, because uh, we are promoting all the things and we need to be very careful. But normally, I am, I am more uh, inclined to read about other movements, but not to listen about those things. And I study this, but I cover everything from yesterday regarding the, the speaking in tongues. So I, I'm not to enter. Um, I recommend you. Um, maybe to, to get the book that I recommended yesterday, Reaching and Winning Pentecostals. And from page 40 to 60, you are going to find a um, lot of information regarding glossolalia, um, that is uh, speaking in tongues. Glossa is the word uh, for the Greek for tongue. Lalia is speak in tongues. Uh, glossolalia is the word. And uh, you are going to find everything. But yesterday, I, I put an end on that. Let me, let me get back to the Pistol of Ephesians, if I can. And if you have any question regarding the topic you say, um, after, after the class, we can discuss about it. But let's go to the background of Ephesians, because we need to understand what is the problem in um, the Ephesian church, because they were in a physical 
context, geographical context, with an ambience of a pagan religion that was intermingled with Artemis of Diana of the Ephesians. And uh, who was Artemis? And she was the most worshipped deity in Asia and perhaps the world, the world, sorry for the typo, during the post times. What was the worship like? Hundreds of eunuch priests, virgin priestesses, and religious prostitutes, sorry the typo here again, um, they serve and worship rituals were, were quite erotic um, in those days. So there was a kind of attraction. Uh, I will say, um, if you mix a nightclub with a kind of worship perception, uh, you are going to get clients at some point. Las Vegas is probably um, a, a mix of that kind of thing in which you are going to find everything intermingled. Even Seventh-day Adventist churches inside Las Vegas, by the way. So, other names for Artemis? Diana, Queen of Heaven. And put attention, Savior, Mother Goddess. Mother Goddess. And remember something. One of the early um, concilians of the Catholic Church was in Ephesians. And in that place appears the name applied to Mary about the mother of God. So the connection was, you know, through the culture and um, trying to capture the elements from the culture and bring them into the Christianity. But in the moment in which Christianity is becoming to be mingled with paganism, it is less Christian and more pagan than Christian um, in nature. And that is part of the problem that you are going to take in account here. What role Ephesus have in the Artemis worship? Ephesus was considered neorokos. And I, sorry, a typo again. I have to put that in, in italics because... Uh, it's a Greek word meaning that the city was the center of the Artemis worship and responsible of maintaining the cult purity of that worship. How Ephesus was benefited financially by this worship? Well, there was a, there was a kind of bank in, 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 in place, uh, you know, because the amount of money coming into that was very big. The cult brought great wealth to the citizens of Ephesus uh, um, because the temple of Artemis became the world's largest bank during that time. And if you go to the book of Acts, you are going to remember what was the reaction. Because let me tell you something. The, the reaction was not moved by the worship itself. The reaction comes when money entered into action. And they began to perceive that with Christianity, not worshiping images, they are going to lost a lot of money because they were living from that. And in the moment in which you are going to preach those things, you are going to get a reaction. Why? Because if you go to Rome, if you go to some of these places, around the Vatican, I will say maybe one store, or two, three, four per, per block are selling some kind of little images, banners, figures, and statues of all the saints that you, might, <laughs> you can imagine in the world. What were the festivals like? Devotees come from all over the world to worship um, Diana of the Ephesians or Artemis and celebrate during the festivals. And there were processions. There were processions. So you, you, you can see the connections, isn't it? So processions, uh, statues, and uh, music, dancing, singing, theatrical representations, and boats of Alessians to um, that divinity. And how was this image? Uh, they portray, I'm sorry the typo here again, 
Artemis as having many breasts as a symbol of fertility. Um, the main statue in her temple may have been a black meteorite um, that fell from heaven. This is, I guess, I guess I do have here, um, I do have here a picture. Here is a picture of, of Artemis. And when you go to the Vatican Museum, you are going to find out that image in, in the corridor connecting St. Peter's Cathedral with a museum. And when you go to the personal chapel of the Pope, um, there are a lot of um, images, and one of them is this. So they cannot deny the relationship in between the goddess pagan divinities together with the, the elements of worship in the Catholic Church. The, oh, yes, there is a copy. This is not coming from the from the Vatican. Oh, yes. Well, remember something. Uh, this, this statue was uh, part of the elements of the original uh, temple of Diana. And there was not only one, there were several. And there were micro temples of Diana in Asia Minor. So um, that was a very popular, I would say, divinity in, in the world of, of the um, Asia Minor and was a very big influence. And the Romans, the Romans, they didn't see any problem with that because they absorb the elements. You, you need to remember something regarding the, the Roman religion. Uh, and this is a, a, a huge, huge, huge connection for me. When you go to the Roman connection with the Roman pantheon of deities, okay, you are going to see that in reality, this is coming from Greece. So no question about that. You are going to see Zeus and he's becoming Jupiter. And you are going to see Hermes and Marty. And you are going to see, you know, the divinity of beauty, um, Aphrodite, and he's going to be with uh, an equipped Venus. In, in the other side. You are going to see all of them coming. Uh, let me tell you something. This was a business financial interchange. That, 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 is, that is documented. That they bought the Pantheon. So they kept the Pantheon because that was profit. And the elements with this are going that into the into the Catholicism and much and you are going to see uh, you you have the names there are a lot of names in the week for example that that were devoted to the, those deities and we are keeping those in several calendars names, still in Spanish, for example. Well, was Artemis the Roman name for Asher? Well, it's one of the names. But remember something, some of them were coming from Egyptians background. So there, there is a, a big mixer here of the elements, but um, that, that was one of um, the things that influenced. The other thing, is that that temple, the temple of Artemis, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Remember that. Yes. Um, I don't know if I have. Uh, this is, this is a, a recreation. And I like very much because of this. I like it very much because when you enter into the Vatican, you are going to see that in the Vatican that is covering saints. So the conceptual framework, it, it is, you know, the, the, like a mold 
you know, model that is going to be taken and transferred into the other place. Here is one big, big, big element. And this is a recreation. This is a recreation. Watch up there. And this is in Turkey. This is in Turkey. This is some, they, they made that as a recreation in, of, of that. Of course, of course, let me tell you. This is a micro thing. Of course, if you go there, you are going to be very short. But the, the temple was very, very big. To give you an idea, I don't know if it's going to fit here, but, but this, is, this is the basis of the remains in which the, the real temple was. So this is going to give you a kind of idea of what was um, in the temple. Of course, part of the temple you are going to find in Louvre, part of the temple in Paris, France. You are going to see in um, a British Museum and in Germany and several other places, but it was dismembered. And also what you get are the ruins of what was the city. But this is the pistol um, in which there were people, Christian people, <laughs> worshiping the Lord Jesus in that kind of environment. So Ephesians is a letter written by Paul around 60, 62, um, after Christ, um, together with other letters from the prison in which Paul was, and like Colossians and, and, and Philemon. Um, and Ellen G. White mentioned several things. While Apollos was preaching at Corinth, Paul fulfilled his promise to return to Ephesus. And he had made a brief visit to Jerusalem and, and had spent some time at Antioch and the scene of his early labors. Hence, uh, he traveled uh, through Asia Minor over all the country of Galatia and Frisia. So, um, Elisha White is, um, is putting an emphasis because she says, in the time of the apostle, the western portion of Asia Minor was known as the Roman province of Asia and Ephesus was the capital. So that was the center. That, that was like the New York of Asia Minor in those days with the center of the, that kind of worship and, uh, of course, uh, there were um, a Jewish community. And the Apostle Paul, being Jew, speaking the same language, always went to them first. And, of course, that was a friend conversation until the moment in which uh, differences become apparent. And everything is going to change after that. So that was... Uh, welcome, good morning. That was of part of the problem in that. Uh, so um, the Apostle Paul says on his arrival uh, at Ephesus, Paul found 12 brethren who, like Apollos, had been disciples of John the Baptist, and like him, had gained some knowledge of the mission of Christ. And they had no ability of Apollos, but with the same sincerity and faith they were seeking to spread abroad the knowledge they had received when these brethren knew nothing uh, of the mission of the Holy Spirit. And when asked by Paul if they had received the Holy Ghost, they answered, we, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost um, unto that when uh, what then they were baptized. Uh, that, that's the question. And Paul uh, inquired, and they say, unto shun baptism. And that is the basis for the new baptism of them. So that, some people say, well, is this um, a baptism um, based upon what? Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. That was missed. 
That was the, the, the missing link. Then the apostle said before them the great truth that are the foundation of the Christian's hope. And he told them of Christ's life on this earth and of his cruel death of shame. And he told them how the Lord of life had broken the barriers of the tomb and risen triumphant over death. And he repeated Savior's commission to his disciples, all power is given unto me um, in heaven and in earth. So go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You are going to find this in um, Acts of the Apostles 282, second paragraph. And um, let me go ahead regarding some of the things that we are going to find in the epistle. When you go to the epistle, one of the things that um, is bringing your attention is a kind of contrast. Do not be filled of wine, but be filled of the Spirit. It's a contrast. But there are, there are a series of contrasts. And, um, and, and as you see here, it's kind of negative, followed by a positive command. Don't do this. Rather, do this. So let's, let's open the Bible. And we are going to check all the contrasts, because it's important um, in, the, in the process of the interpretation that when you are tracing the back, um, you are going to see those things. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 and 28, you are going to see, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So that is the first one. Be angry and sin not. So there is, this is a kind of, um, you know, a statement, but followed by a negative. 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give him that needed. See, see how the Apostle Paul is teaching them, and think about what is, what is beneath about that. Because um, here is the point. Sometimes in this epistle, what you are going to see in the background is the commandments. Yes. It's the commandments. But he is not saying, well, we are going to be um, teaching or talking about the law, he is giving the law about the facts. And that is part of the point here. And that is masterful. Sometimes when we are denouncing, we are going to be studying the commandments. We are going to study the grace. We are going to study the second coming. You know, you, you are denouncing um, what I will say, fundamental beliefs. Paul is doing the same, but through the Bible. And through example. So don't do this, do this. And that is wonderful. That, that is perfect. Um, see here 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that if may minister grace um, unto the hearers. That's a blessing. How much we need that in our, in our um, home, in our houses, in families? You know, how many twisted words sometimes we have? So what is the basis for that? In the bottom line, it's the commandments too. Because it has to be how we regulate what is coming out from our mouth. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Not 
grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What is, what is telling you about this? I don't know um, if you have any observation regarding that, but uh, let me tell you something. There are some people saying that the Holy Spirit is an influence. Is a thing. Has no personhood. It's not persona. It's not personal. But here says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Can I think if I knock, the table is going to tell me, please, Daniel, be quiet and uh, respect it because it, it hurt me here on something. No. Who is going to be grief? What? Huh? It's a person. It's a person. It's very clear. You, 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 you don't need to go more deep regarding that, but the text is telling you about this and, and what is, you know, in the background. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Another contract. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and claymore and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one another, uh, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ sake has forgiven you. Watch about what is this effect um, in, in effectual practice in our church. This is a blessing of the teaching for, for, for our church. And walk, and walk in love as Christ also had loved us and had given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be one's name among you as becometh saints. See, see how the Apostle Paul is changing from negative to positive and positive to negative, but always is the contrast. And the contrast is following the teachings that are based upon the commandments of God. And the commandments of God are based upon the creation. Because here is uh, fornication associated with uncleanness and covetousness. And because that is, that is not the point to become saints. But here is the emphasis uh, in, in this positive side of the teaching here in, in the epistle. Neither uh, fitness nor foolish, verse 4, chapter 5, uh, neither filthiness nor foolish uh, talking nor shestling, which are not convenient, but rather given of thanks. Thanks. How much we need to say thanks? Sometimes... Um, we do have a grudging appearance sometimes, and we are not thankful. But we have to be thankful to, to see each other, to have peace in our minds, and to enjoy the communion into the church. And that is part of the things that the Apostle Paul is teaching here to them, um, and they are, if you, if you see the background in which the pagan religion is expanding in the worship of Artemis, and what the Apostle Paul is bringing to them is clearly that the Apostle Paul, through the teaching of the essence of Christianity, is inviting them to come out and to be a kind of anchor of light in the middle of the big darkness that the worship of Artemis is bringing to them. 
For this is you know, says verse 5, that no warmonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Watch about that. Here is, here is hidden in the center of the false worship and based upon the commandments without mention, don't go to the temple. Don't go to worship Artemis. Don't go to do this. You, you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes we need to, <laughs> to incline ourselves to the wisdom, big wisdom coming from the scriptures. Because, because the Apostle Paul here is not, not saying, don't go to worship that way. He's inviting them through the scriptures to say, do this. Do this. Practice this. And that is really positive. But not yet the four partakers with them. I, I don't see that. I, I, I mentioned already that I don't see glossolalia um, in, in, the, in the pistol mentioned because uh, I don't see that there were a kind of practice. If you are talking to me about the oracle of Delphos, that is Corinthians, Oh, okay. Uh, then then, then it's, a, it's another, but that is a horse of another color. No deficient. Okay. No deficient because, because there were a kind of mysterious revelations given to, um, yeah, mysterious words given to a priestess, a female priestess in, the, in Delphos Oracle, and she spoke to um, revelations and Delphos was maybe very close to Corinth, and there is a connection that some people have made regarding that. My perception regarding Corinth and the speaking in tongues is the kind of cosmopolitan condition of the church. And when you have a cosmopolitan situation or context, you are going to see that a church is going to get in a, in a kind of variety of language. In this case, the Apostle Paul is, is telling them how to be Christians in the setting of the background of the Artemis worship and inviting them to come out. In certain sense, it's the same message of Revelation coming out from Babylon, coming out from that wrong worship. That, that is the essence of that. And, um, and here, says, be not yet the four partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. And I like very much this. Why? Because sometimes when you are talking about um, what we are, in between what we are and we and what we were, the Apostle Paul says, you were darkness. But that is in the past. Now you are light. So now walk as bearers of that light. I like very much that. It, it is really positive because you are emphasizing the positive and you are reinforcing the behavior toward the good here. And that is, that is building up the church. That is increasing the good in the church. And finally, he says, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. And finally, uh, he says, and enter um, into the preparation of the topic, it is, James uh, even to speak of those things which are done uh, of them in secret. Watch about that. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest in the light. See them, what that ye walk circumspectly, not as fool, but as wise, wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding that the will of the Lord is. I am reading verses 
15 and 17. And, and finally, he says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When, when he, he says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Remember something here. According to some experts and commentators, in that kind of worship, there were um, hard drinks um, in order that the people might enter into a kind of communion with the, with the gods and, and, and with the divinities in which they, they were. So, uh, you are going to find out in the, in, in the scriptures um, that that is, a very, that, that is a very important thing that uh, the Apostle Paul is, is recommending here. Let me find out something, and you are going to see um, this topic. Uh, let me find out the, the point, because here is... Um, here is part, I will say, the connection. You are going to see at least two examples in, in the New Testament. Well, I don't, I don't know. I guess I didn't transfer to my notes. But um, let me just mention this. The first one is in the book of Luke, in the recommendation of of. of the um, angel to John the Baptist, and he was not be a wine drinker because he was to be filled of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you you are going to build up the construction from here. So he's taking away what is alcoholic and putting the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are going to see that at the end of chapter 1 um, in the book of Luke. The other thing um, you are going to see is it is in another section of Luke. That is the second treaty, uh, as he called. That is the book of Acts. Um, you remember when they began to speak in tongues? Uh, what was the reaction of the crowd regarding them. They were drunk. And then come Peter and say to them, no, 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 no. This is not drunkness. What is the explanation? This is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he is going to sustain that as a fulfillment of the prophecies of Joel the prophet in the Old Testament. Remember? And, and basically, basically what they say is it's very early in the morning to get drunk because that was part of maybe noon or after in which they were, were in the temple of the pagan divinities and they were, um, you know, plenty of wine and there was excess into that. And the Apostle Paul says, uh, Peter says, no, that is not the case. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to reflect about that. And finally, several of them became early Christians because they were baptized. And that was probably part of the 3,000. And after that, part of the 5,000. Um, so um, the Apostle Paul continues um, the recommendation, be filled of the Spirit, saying, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And, and let's keep this in mind, because uh, tomorrow we are going to do the connection between Ephesians and Colossians, and you are going to see that is a very big structure regarding this and how Colossians and Ephesians are in harmony regarding, to this, regarding this topic. And it's important uh, to take in account this. 
giving thanks always, he says, verse 20, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, is a Trinitarian, I will say, um, uh, a statement, because it's be filled of the Spirit in verse 18, and here says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourself one another in the fear of God. Let me enter now into reflections of what I call his reflection on the Trinity. Um, in certain sense, I will say that God has is the model of unity in Paul's view here. Why? Um, let, me, let me share with you something. Um, the Apostle Paul says in chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, he says, The prisoner of the Lord beset you that ye walk worthy of the vocations wherewith ye are called. Verse 2. With all lowliness, lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Keep in mind this. Keep in mind verse 3. Watch the next. There is one body and one Spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You see it here? Sometimes, let me tell you that we have kind of problem. And the problem is when we put emphasis in certain things and dismiss another thing in the context. And that is part, by the way, of the hermeneutical process. And that's the reason why in hermeneutics we are going to, to check about those things. Because if you watch this, it is, for me, more strong, uh, or, or is stronger, when you put emphasis in the Trinitarian version of the baptismal service, that putting emphasis just quoting one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So, so we quote that. It's fine. It's fine. We are quoting the Bible, and we are going to say, well, when we baptize, we are becoming part of the body of Christ because there is one, one um, Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Okay? However, we are missing that here is the Spirit, the Lord, and God the Father, and here is the Trinity. And that is a Trinitarian kind of uh, formula that appears very clear in the Bible. In our naked eyes, it is there. Sometimes the emphasis are missing us the point in which we cannot see the, the process. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, so here, here you see something that is modeling some elements, and I'm going to enter into, into this. Let's, let's get back now for a moment in, in, in a topic that I know that is not part of Ephesians, but this is Matthew. Matthew. Por eundetes. Un madeteusate panta ta etne baptisontes autos eisto onoma tum patros caitu vius caitu agiu neumatos. That is the formula of Matthew 28, 19. What is important here and, and why I am bringing this? Because Ephesians is talking about the Baptist and this is talking about the Baptist into all the ethne. I don't know if I have here something to sign, but second line says panta, ta ethne. When appears ethne, that is the word 
ethne, that is a word, that is a root word for ethnica, ethnicity, into all the nations. And here it is something quite interesting in the formula. See here says to onoma, that is singular. To onoma, singular, means all who are baptized are in unity with all comprised under one name. And under one name is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three singular nuns together and united. Under one name, that means equality and unity. First thing. Based upon the grammatical factors coming from, from that. Second. Second is the individual article. Two. The article, singular, masculine, the article functions to indicate individual identity in the sentence. If two or three were the same, wouldn't need individual articles preceding. Watch now what is going in the sentence. There are one article, two, three. It says, in two patrus, in two wion, and in two agius neumatos. So that means that is in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And if you put, I, I guess there are two of you that speak Spanish, that means in el nombre del Padre, del Hijo, y del Espíritu Santo. And that is preceding that. Of course, anti-Trinitarians want to, want to do something. That's the reason why they want to delete Matthew 28, and they are going to argue and say, well, that is not in this and this and this, but it's a problem. It is a problem, because Matthew 28, 19 is there in the early manuscripts. Second thing. Agioneumatos, Holy Spirit, appears in the same sentence here, and, and, and that is the link. Agioneumatos, Holy Spirit, appears in the same sentence, in the same level of the Father and of the Son. What does it mean? He is separate and equal to the others. That is telling you there is a personality, it has personhood, individuality, and is equal to the others who have personality, individuality, and that is very strong. And that is pure grammatic, by the way. No other thing. If you are going to come today into the hermeneutics, I'm going to mention this as an example of the, all the things in the process of the hermeneutical work. And when people say, you don't have a basis for that. Yes, we have a basis for that. Yes, we have a basis for that. So the three persons of the Godhead were also present in the baptism of the Lord Jesus when the voice of the Father was heard from heaven and the Spirit come in form of dove in the solemn moment of baptism. That's the reason, Ellen why I say uh, there is a heavenly trio. And that is pure quotation to Ellen Shihuai. And this is, this is it. This is very clear and it's very strongly said, but it's this. Let me tell you something. Regarding this, when, uh, when you put the emphasis here, okay, you see the articles, two patros, two, wheel, two, uh, argue, uh, neumatos, two, that is personal article. And that is, is singular masculine, except uh, in the case of argue. However, it's not plural, it's singular. Uh, and indicate individual identity. How, what is the change 
what is the change if there were the three in one, just in one person? That is not in one person. I don't believe that, okay? To be that in one person, you need to put only one article before the three names. You understand what I'm saying? If you put ahead of the three names one article, you are going to fusion the three names under that. But it's not. Everyone is with an independent article in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me, let me, give me a moment. <clears throat> I am bringing a stranger here. And here is the sharp rule. Apply. That is Titus chapter 2. Go to that. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And let me give you a little bit of background of this. I was in Buenos Aires, South America, and Jehovah Witnesses visited us, and he says to us, look, I am a little bit confused, and I want to see if you have original versions and different versions of the Bible, because I heard that you have a, a, a library. And, and that's true, by the way. But our library was not open to public. Um, we were like here, here were the offices, cabins, hallway, another section of offices, and a connection with the library, and was about uh, no more than 1,500 volumes, maybe. But, you know, in Buenos Aires and in suburbia, suburban um, neighborhood, that, that was a big library for some people. So I, 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 I help him. I help him. And, uh, and here is look, what is called sharp rule, because sharp was a British um, abolitionist, by the way, specialist in Greek language. Um, and sharp uh, applied this rule. There's, I, I'm going to show you the, the rule, because uh, it is important. And the rule is this. When two nuns hear uh, God, Savior, two nuns, personal names or nuns, are um, united by a kai and and uh, there is an article that precedes, precedes the first, but is not repeated in the second, it is referred to the same person. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I, I repeat, I repeat, don't, don't worry. We are, we are going to learn. I, I took my time also to learning about this. When there is a kai, and the rule is called kai epepsegetica, I, but I'm not going to bring confusion here. It's unifying kai. Kai means and. E in Spanish. When there is a conjunction kai, united two nuns, and there is only one article preceding the first noon, and is not repeated in the second, the two noons refers to the same person. Titus 2, verse 13. So let's, let's put something here. I don't know. Okay. I, I'm going to... I'm going to put all these things here in a moment, and I'm going to take questions here, here. So here is the article. Here is the article. Masculine, singular, and the tendency is genitive. And here is the noon, the on, that is God. That is the first one. So when, when the Apostle Paul is speaking about the great 
the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is telling Jesus is God. That's the point. And in Spanish says, aguardando la esperanza bienaventurada de nuestro gran Dios y Salvador, Jesucristo. That is the point. Um, I don't remember in French or Italian, but um, yeah, but, but here you have. So here, here is a subsidy teaching regarding the article function because that is going to reinforce what? Matthew 28. Because in Matthew 28, you see there is an individual article for every single name. You, you follow what I'm saying? Because when, when the Bible says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the article are singling out every name, indicating then personality, individuality, equality, and all is that together. That is strong for me. And it's coming from the grammatical tools. Because you are going to apply sharp rule into, into the rest of the New Testament, by the way. It's, it's the same. You are going to, when, when you establish a grammatical rule, hey, you're not, you are not going to do exceptions for that. And you are going to, to, to explain if there is an exception. But normally, every, every time in which you are, there is cases in, the, in the, the book of Revelation, in the rest of the Bible, and you are going to apply the sharp rule, and the sharp rule is going to apply to every single situation. So the article thrown here, here, before this, is not repeated. And, and that is the case with the Jehovah Witnesses, because they want to reinforce their own version. So they put first the version according to the teachings, and they put the teachings of the Jehovah Witness before the scriptures. However, when you go to the Greek, and when you go to the originals, there is none that is going to support that. So that was the reason of the visit of that visiting person. He wanted to find out what the Greek says and uh, want to read about that. And for him, that was a very big discovery that day. Let me tell you something. There is a, there is a kind of manuscriptology can be, can be a specialty for this. I mentioned yesterday that we have in the New Testament about 5,000 manuscripts. And you can check all of them, and you are going to find variances. But none of, this, of these variances are going to show or favor that position of the Jehovah Witnesses. And that is a problem for them. That, that, is, that is a problem for them. Because, because that is, they are a witness. And the witness in history are very strong in favor of the thing that we are supporting. And, and that, is, that is the point in which we need to confess our fidelity to the scriptures. And, um, and here is the text. Sorry, I need to put the text first. <laughs> so looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, and that is the great God, and our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, um, probably you are going to see, well, what about here? Oh no, here is here. Soteron Gemon is our Savior. But it's not the article. The article is, is first, you know. And, um, and it's, for me, it's, it's very powerful. Tomorrow we are going to enter into a kind of census distribution because I'm, I'm going to give you a hint of, of the presentation of, of the topics in which we are going to enter 
a little bit discussing the the the, the spirit in in the context of Ephesians, because if there is the baptism is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are three names, isn't it? Are they interchanged in the New Testament? For example, we we say. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can we say um, uh, Father, Spirit, and Son? Can we say um, Son, Father, Spirit? Can we say Son, Spirit, and Father? Can we say Spirit, Father, and Son? Can we say Spirit, Son, and Father? Because if them are equally bounded, if they are the same level, they have to be. Are they? Are, are they in the New Testament? Tomorrow is the day in which I'm going to explain about that. God bless you and see you tomorrow. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.